The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN Podcast. I am your host, Billy, as always. And on this edition, I am joined by Logan Smith. How's it going? Hi, not too bad. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm on the... I think you're... I've got four interviews left, and you're, you're my, my rundown for interviews for this season. So um, I'm very excited to... I'm excited to do these interviews, but I'm also excited to get a break as well at the same time. Because uh, I think this is what this will be the 60th one I've done round about there. So uh, it's, it's it's not even been a year yet. Uh, anyway, yeah, usually I would do like a big, like your moniker, but I, I didn't seem to have one. I had the upstart because you're in the upstarts with uh, Owen Jacks. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if you're cool with that for the future. I mean, I, I just not really something I've ever thought about being known as as the upstart. But I, it was the team that I ran with when Jack saw away with. So, I. So we'll be back. First question is always the same. How did you get into pro wrestling? What got you hooked? Um, I don't know. Always, I, I was always on in my house. So like it was always sort of playing about the living room, but nobody really paid attention to it. Um, I started paying attention when I seen the triple threat ladder match playing on the telly, and I was like, "Wow, that's cool!" I just seen these guys going absolutely awol doing whatever they wanted, and I was like, "That's well cool!" And that's that's what hooked me on like actually watching wrestling. But actually getting involved in wrestling came quite a few years later um, when I started high school and I went to. Like, I didn't know Scottish wrestling was a thing until I got to a certain age. I didn't know Scottish wrestling was a thing until I met someone in high school and their brother, who is a wrestler. Um, so I went to see his show. He he goes by the name Marlon. So uh, I seen Marlon. I went to Marlon's show and straight away I was like, oh, that's well cool. I'm going to start doing this. So... I went to school with Owen Jacks as well, so I'd say to Owen Jacks because we used to play action figures as we guys. So I said to him, I'm going to start wrestling training. He's like, well, I've already started. And I was like, oh, that's, that's well cool. Where can, where can I go? And he gave me all the details. And for there on, it's been six years and I've not looked back. So. Uh, well, the triple threat ladder match, was, I assume it was the Hardys, Edge of Christian Dudley's. Aye, aye. So that's, that's fine. Just, cause, just for your age, I'm thinking, that's, that's a really early one. <laughs> I was like, must be a replay. Uh, or... um, what was the old show? Uh, WWE From the Vault. So it was oh, From yeah. the Vault. So oh, that man. used to come on after something that was watched regularly in my house. So that was that would come on straight away, and then one day it was that, and I that was the one that got me going. So I've got another podcast guest that's, that can uh, blame Jeff Hardy for this journey that we've went on a little bit. It's I'm mostly that... blame it. I mostly blame Edge. Edge was the one that got me more. I always had that in school. It's like if, if your pal, me and my pal were Hardys. He was back because he wouldn't climb on stuff, and I was Jeff because I would. <laughs> that, was, that was just how it was uh, in, in general. Um, so you started training a couple of years later uh, after seeing a triple threat ladder match. Um, what was it like that first? Because I know the school you were at, 
as as is for a lot of people that I've spoken to from that school. It was maths, so it was a bit different going and going. Oh, I expect there to be a ring here. Well, yeah, it was it was different. Like obviously, you do expect to walk in and be like, oh, where's where's the wrestling thing?" But I don't know. Training on match really taught like it taught you to use more common sense rather than trusting the ring for certain things. You became used to actually uh, like dealing with just being on the mats instead of having like corner posts so let you deal with sort of more um more technical side of things rather than a more advanced level of things. So I don't know, it was good to start with, but then you get to the point where like I need to be in a ring to start actually learning how to use the ring. But eventually getting that experience it was it was worth learning both sort of styles at different times, I suppose. So what was your first thought, Dave? Um, do you have a bit of a, a athletic background? Do you do football, anything like that, before you started training? No, like, I tried loads of different things, like, on like um, when I was younger. So I tried, like, karate and everything. I tried basketball. I'd done basketball coaching for a couple of years. I tried free running and everything, honestly. But I would last about a month for every one of these and... It would never stick. So I, I liked going to the gym and that. I liked going to the gym in my school, but it was I had nothing really aimed towards at that point. But then as soon as I started wrestling, I, I realised that Jesus, this this is quite physically demanding. You need to actually keep up with yourself here. So actually, I no, I wouldn't say I was a completely athletic kid because I was quite chubby until I started wrestling. But um, it definitely helped realise that. There was a lot to go. Uh, so yeah, so you started training. Um, obviously, doing the cardio. And what was it like taking those first bumps? Was it kind of reality check for that from that point? Oh, they sucked. I took the first bumps, and I was like, "This isn't. This isn't what I thought wrestling was. This isn't what I thought it was." It sucked. I was like, "No, nah, I've had enough already after one week." But I was like, "No, nah, I'll give it another couple of weeks. See how I feel." But nah, it's, it was it was horrible taking the first few bumps. Well, when I started, it was the first few bumps on the crash mat, so it was okay taking them on the crash mat. And then when you you done them well, they would take you over the mats and be like, try them on that. You take it on that, you go, oh, that doesn't feel like a crash mat at all. You just feel like they're absolutely. I honestly felt as though I'd been in a car crash or something for the very first time, and I was like, oh. But it's it's one of the things you sort of get used to, I suppose. Uh, you're, you're, I mean, I was going through uh, the wonderful world of Cage Match to, to get like some research and, and things like that. Um, so you made your debut at an Academy Attack show, as everyone does going through um, the school you were at. Yeah. What was it like going in front of a crowd for the first time? Or, or how did you find out you were getting your debut? Um, I don't know. We were, all, we were all sort of sat around like... So uh, we would always have our lunch break, and then after our lunch break, it would be a sort of rundown of what the f- the the following weeks are going to bring, like what's happening at the next shows, and um, what what matches are going to take place during training today. And it was sort of at that time it was like the show, the show Academy Attack was starting to get planned, and it was just sort of like, oh, by the way, um, you're on this show, so tell me how many tickets you think you can sell for it. And it's like, well, hold on, hold on. I've only been wrestling for like a year. I you start to panic. Like I don't know if I'm going to be ready for a crowd. I've never done it in front of a crowd that's not other wrestling trainees. But 
actually going into the show was quite settling because you know that your friends and family were out there for your first couple of shows. They're out there supporting you no matter what. So at least that way you knew that there was some people out there that you knew rather than a room full of strangers. Especially if you're, if you're going out to, to get cheered. At least you've got a couple of folk there that, that will actually cheer you and they'll ripple Aye. around the room. Um, <laughs> so so are you quite, were you quite an outgoing person or, or was that... A lot of people I've been finding say that they're, they're absolutely nervous. As soon as they step out, though, it just that's it. It's They just turn to something else. Is that your that, experience? I think, it, I think it's the same for absolutely everybody. It's, it's nerves just build up with you and, and it's the sort of nerves of the unknown, like what is going to happen when I step through the door. But as soon as you step through the door and you realise this is all right, like it settles you completely. But I think everybody's the same. Like even people that I still talk to nowadays that are, just debuting or have debuted for a new company, they go through and they're like, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And of course, you, you teamed with Owen Jacks, now Jimmy Pierce uh, elsewhere. But um, so was that, was that another comfort? I mean, you, you were nervous going into it, but was that a comfort knowing that you were going in with someone that you grew up with and and trained? And oh, you? Absolutely, absolutely. It was going out in my debut with three guys that I consider as like really close friends of mine. <coughs> Sorry. Um, me guys that I consider as really close friends. Obviously, I've known Owen Jack since we were like eight or something. And then Dan and Vice and Ray Barani as well. Trained with him for a couple of years before. Uh, trained with him about eight months or something before we actually debuted all together. So I, it, it really sort of settles you knowing that there's other people there that you can trust, knowing what you are all capable of going into the match. Uh, it was, as when I was doing that research, I realised that I probably saw you quite near the start then because I did rock and wrestle uh, with yeah. and I'm in Elgin, so uh, Inverness is, is pretty nearby. Um, and from what I remember, I just I really enjoyed yourselves as a team because it was it was high energy. Uh, I mean, ev- yeah. everyone if you go to Inverness for a wrestle show, they don't see wrestling that often, so they're just, they're just well up for it anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, when you were going out in front of an actual crowd, so a non-paying, uh, a non-friends and family show, uh, was it the same kind of feelings? Did you did you have any uh, extra nerves? Did you struggle with getting the, the crowd involved at all? My, my first time going in front of like, a crowd where I didn't know anybody was actually only came about two months after I'd done my debut. So about two months after, <coughs> yeah, I did the family and friends show. Um it was a different atmosphere knowing that you don't know anybody out there, you don't know what sort of reaction you're going to get. Um, I don't know how certain people react to things yet. I don't know the best way to portray what character I'm going out there to be. I'm trying to get booed at this point. So I'm going out there as this, what age was I? I was 16, 15-year-olds. I'm going out there as a 16, 15-year-old trying to get people to hate me. And it's just, it, it, it really goes... I don't, I don't know how, how, how do I get people to hate me so quickly? Because these people didn't know who I was. Nobody knew who I was at that point. Whereas the first show that I done, I've got my family and friends there that know who I am. They know what character I'm trying to be. But two months later, nobody knows in the world who I am. But it, it was definitely a different vibe than the debut. But Again, it was the same thing going out there. As soon as you're out there, you get the reaction you look for. It settles you completely. 
Uh, so what was, what, was, what was it like uh, getting to the ring then? Because of course, uh, it was uh, it was treated as a privilege to get into the ring during setup shows and what have you, because um, you're training on mats. Uh, so yeah. how different did you find it? Of course, running ropes being one thing, but how how different did you find it getting into the ring for the first time? I, I mean, it's a hard thing to explain because as soon as you get in, you're like. You, you sort of go, ah, oh, right, this, this feels good, this feels right. Now I feel like I'm actually like properly wrestling rather than, obviously the match thing was a great sort of way to learn for me. Um, but as soon as you get in the ring, you sort of feel like this is what wrestling should feel like. This is how I feel like wrestling looks like. Now I feel like an actual wrestler rather than a trainee. So actually getting in the ring, it made me feel like that's that's I've done something now. I've actually done something with myself that I can be proud of. Um but it, it does give you that sort of feeling of like, right, it's it's something serious that you're doing. Like, and obviously there's guys who do make their living off this at this point. There's still guys who are making a, a life earnings wrestling and you're trying, you're trying to join them in this. So you do feel that way where you, you need to be sort of keeping up with the way that they keep the ring and stuff. Yeah, it's just, just a... Uh... A whole new learning experience. Um, so yeah. again, did my research. I've got uh, you were two years in. We'll, we'll jump about a bit, uh, but you're two years in, and you had to take time off for a dislocated shoulder. Uh, yeah, around yeah. about two years. When when did you first know there was a problem? Um, I, I sort of knew straight away, but I didn't try to believe it. Like I done a move and I sort of landed on my elbow wrong. Um, and I felt pain, but I got up and I finished the training session. And it's actually funnily enough, the day that I had done it, I'd planned to go to a trampoline park with my other friends. Um, so we went to a trampoline park afterwards, and I, I had this feeling that like I just had to crack my shoulder. That way you get a few stiff, and you think it just means I crack. So I've got my pal pulling on my arm, trying to crack it, when in fact he was actually pulling all the tendons off my shoulder. So um, it was... I think two days later or something, I noticed it was starting to swell up and that, and it was just getting sore and sore. Uh, I went and they were like, you've, you've fractured and dislocated your shoulder, and it slipped back in without you realising. I was like, right, well, that's that just sounds horrible to me. But it was it was sort of instantly I knew something was wrong. Um, if, you, if you'd land on your elbow then, that's, I mean, obviously it's a bad injury. No doubt about it. Yeah. And it didn't help that, that you exacerbated it by trying to, <laughs> to rip it off. Uh, but I'm just thinking, it, I mean, it could have been worse. Because I know when I broke my elbow, I was told that if it was like any rotation, extra rotation, it could break your collarbone, it could break, uh-huh. it could break your neck. Uh, which, yeah. you know, when I was told that, uh, <laughs> it, it was a bit of, that was, that was a wake up call. I mean, thankfully, I was still drunk, so it was, it was all good. I laughed off, but uh, yeah, it was just like yeah. If, if you if you landed any extra rotation, you could have been a lot worse. I was like, oh great, okay, cool, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Um, yeah, so that that obviously went straight. You can wrestle, of course, doing that, um, yeah. and it's obviously something you've been doing for two years at that point. Um, uh-huh. What were your what were your initial thoughts on having to take that break? I, I was I was gotten like this. It was the only thing that I'd ever like stuck to. So it annoyed me that I was being forced to not do it. 
Um, <coughs> but we were told, uh, I was originally told that I would need to sit out for about nine to 12 months. Um, but I got about six months down the line and I was told that no, I'm not always taking a seminar and training. And this was the last time, this was just like, this was two months or something before he went to WWE. So it was one of the last chances you would get to have a seminar with Noam. So I was like, ah, do you know what? Six months is long enough. I jumped back in. I, I have I have one training session and I'm like, right, I'm good again. And then I go again next week and the shoulder dislocates again. So I just, uh, it was gotten to know that I've, I've just got this reoccurring thing going wrong. And it just didn't seem like there was going to be a solution to it eventually, but I suppose it was just my fault on the end of the day because I should have just took the nine months that I was told to. <laughs> so in that six month period, though, what did you do is just rehabilitation? Did you watch wrestling, or was it something that you just went, "No, I'm going to just take a clean break for," well, pardon the pun, uh, but I could take a clean break during that time. <laughs> no, no, I I know at that point I never thought I'll I'll take a clean break. I, I kept watching wrestling. I kept trying to see what can I do. And wrestling when I come back, what moves can I do? Blah blah blah. Um, I was still going to train every week, certain list, and then I was going to shows, help me any way I can, setting up music, setting up the lights, whatever. Um, <coughs> but I was, I was constantly everything in my head was still like I'm, I'm this close back to going to wrestling. I'm this close counting down the days on the calendar. Um, but nah, wrestling never left my sort of mind in those six months. But I was still like, right, I like wrestling now. I like wrestling now, even though knowing that I couldn't at all. But um, that was that was still sort of gotten to know that you can. Uh, I spotted one picture uh, that uh, I think must be during this one, this this particular injury uh, that you did about ring announcing as well. So uh, it was just yeah. just just trying to pick up any job you could to stay in, in about yeah. I, I, that was that was awful to me, and it was it was something that I had to think about. I was like, I've never at this point, I'd never spoken a microphone before. I was like, nah, I don't think I can do that. It's not something I'm confident with doing. Um, but I tried it out and training a couple of times. It was like you're doing fine. So actually going out and doing it in front of a crowd was a lot different, though. So I, I didn't need to give fair play to Simon Cassidy and a lot of ring announcers that do that every show because it's it's a difficult job to do. It's, it's you sweat constantly when you're doing it. You're just right in the spot centre of the stage. It's horrible, but th- these guys do it incredibly. <laughs> oh no, it's like well, I, I did it once uh, for one match, and that was it. I, I don't know how Simon and that keep all the weights and and uh, <laughs> and places that they're from and all their accomplishments all in one go. I was like, no, I, I I would need to have like a wee cheat sheet and then just go and then cheat I'll sheet. I'm writing on my hand and stuff, trying to remember where people are from, and I'm like, oh, I, I can't kind of do this. Whatever. I'm rubbing them off between matches and writing them down in the other hand. It's, it's just <laughs> sweat it off as it goes. <laughs> I'm like, that's what I need it. It's dripping down my arm. <laughs> so you came back. Uh, I didn't take note of what your comeback match was, but uh, not long afterwards, um, that's what it been. 2017 issue, you had your first yeah. injury, you came back, and then you broke your leg. Yeah. <laughs> Again, was this a, a training injury or a yeah. trampoline park? Yeah. No, training injury. <laughs> so I had, the, the day before that I'd done that, I'd wrestled 
I had been wrestling again for about maybe five, six months after my shoulder surgery and everything got sorted. Um, my shoulder was 100% again. Um, I'd wrestled for about six months. Uh, the day before I'd done it, I wrestled Craig Tara against BT Gun, and I felt like, oh, things are getting things are getting better, man. Things are going really good right now. The next day, it's a Stevie Xavier seminar. I try to kick somebody. Um, I swing my leg the wrong way. My shin hits their shin. Their shin was a lot stronger than mine, um, and mine just snapped. <laughs> Christ. Wow. It was... It wasn't that bad when the first done it. It just felt like it had banged my shin, and it, it felt like it had bruised or something. So I tried to stand up, and knowing that I couldn't stand up, I sort of crumbled back down to the ground. So at that point, I was like, "Right, I've done something bad this time." So I that was I went straight to the hospital, and I was like, I was due to go on holiday two days later. Um, I got there and they set my leg in a cast, and I was like, "Right, cool." Um, I go on holiday on Wednesdays that came and all that no you don't I was like ah, cracking cheers thank you what, what well, is it with, with yourself and uh, for those that are unaware uh, your sister is Rose Knight uh, mm-hmm. what is it with you two breaking things because <laughs> you to run the family honestly it's just it's, I, I just made a glass apparently it's ridiculous um, so she got into it after, after seeing you wrestle and, and thought I can do that. Um, yeah. So, so what was it like uh, having your sister on board uh, with, with coming to training and and uh, making part of the family? I mean, it was cool. It was cool seeing like it, in a way that I thought I encouraged her to actually try it out. Uh, her seeing me and then deciding that it's it's something she'd maybe enjoy. Um, it, it was cool knowing that I had encouraged her to actually do something like that because at that point she hadn't been doing much if I remember right she, she might battle me after hearing this and I'm saying she was just being lazy and, um, but she wasn't doing much at the point and then when that could be something that I would like started training and it was it was at the point it was like it was I don't know it, aye it was cool honestly it was it was different to see her in that environment as well is like taking on the role that I had. So you got to kind of do a little bit of, of training yourself and being able to kind of pass on any little tips that you'd, because you were a couple yeah. months ahead, of course, uh, or, or uh, a yeah. year or so ahead of her. Uh, and of course, your partner is Angel Hayes. So it's, yeah. it's there's a big, I mean, between you starting uh, because of you, you saw your Manlon's brother, uh, and then so Manlon, it's not Manlon. I keep saying it how it's spelled. Uh, Manlon's brother, and then you were friends with Owen Jacks, who of course was cousins with Luke King Sharp. It's like a whole, there's a very small world that, that seems yeah, to be in there. Yeah. Um, so again, was was uh, Angel? I didn't. I can't remember if I asked her at the time, but was it was that you know, at training, or or uh, was that you both started at the same time? What was? I don't need to know your, your relationship status. It's just just it was just training with the with. Your girlfriend being a wrestler, kind of thing. Yeah, no, I think she started training a couple of months after me. Um, I I started in like September odds. She started in January, I think. So, um, a, a couple of months apart, and that's when I sort of met her. And it was like, I don't know, maybe there was like a couple of months in between. And after a couple of months, I think it was like five or so months. I was like, eh, we just started talking to each other. And, 
yeah, we became friends and everything first, and then then on, and it's it's been. Aye. <laughs> well, we'll move on. I'm, I'm feeling awkward as it is speaking about that. So let's, we'll speak about wrestling. That's more, way more fun. Uh, so in 2017, you end up in uh, Denmark yeah. uh, for Copenhagen Championship Wrestling. Uh, how did that come yeah. about and what was your experience like? Um, obviously, like I was I was good pals with Owen Jacks or Jimmy Pierce as he goes by now. Um, and as you say, these cousins looking sharp. Uh, Lou was taking a training camp over in Denmark. He was the head coach for the training camp. He spoke to a couple of us and was like, "If you just can get yourselves over, we'll, we'll we'll train you for a week. You pay for the training. You train for a week. There's a possibility a show at the end for you." Um, so we go there. We train for a whole week, and it was like seven days. Uh, we trained for six days, and we trained about six hours a day. So about 36 hours in the week we trained for wrestling. Um, and then at the end, as I say, there was two shows. So that's pretty much how it all came about. And I ended up having three matches over there. Um, and I think during one of the matches, yeah, one of my matches with the Copenhagen Hangman, it was unfortunate because I was really looking forward to the match. But about three minutes in, my shoulder dislocates and... I need to call the match and like, right, can't do it anymore. <laughs> but it, it was still a great experience to actually be invited over and be able to compete for the company. Uh, and of course, you, you you ended up doing a bit of travelling, especially around about the country. Um, of course, did Belladrum, which yeah, I've I, I mean I've I've never actually been to the Belladrum shows uh, just because. Oh, you're missing out. You're missing out. Oh, but I mean. I've always wanted to, and then every time I think, oh, I'd rather, I, I kind of want to go, and then I look and it's sold out. I'm just always too slow to go. Mainly because I think my wife, my wife loves Jack Chester, so the fact that, that she could see him possibly starting a boot in a field um, would be <laughs> hilarious for her. Uh, not in a weird way, but <laughs> just, just like going, oh, Jack Chester. Um, so what was like? Was it like wrestling at a festival then? Uh, like bell drum, you get go see the music afterwards. What what was it like? Oh, it was a completely different atmosphere. Like, it, like obviously, we used to wrestling crowds and crowds knowing everything about wrestling or knowing a bit about wrestling. Like, they've paid specifically to see wrestling. But these guys have bought tickets to a music festival and they just get the wrestling added in. They're just getting things like the wrestling and we are, like, right after the singing kettle. So, other beans have loved the singing kettle. They're all buzzing for the singing kettle and then we come out and we're, like, wrestling. Um, but it's, it was... So different. It's it's just that atmosphere. You walking out into a tent, and you're like, "Well, oh, we're we're wrestling now." Um, but everybody, like, you, you would just think you're at a wrestling show. Like everybody reacted the way you want them to react. It was, and then actually just knowing that you get to go have a good time after. It's not a long drive back to the unit to put the ring away. Then back home, you get to pack the ring in a van for tomorrow and then you get to go out and have a nice time. You get to go and watch some bands. I actually got to see one of my favourite bands for the first time at Belladrum, um, Twin Atlantic. Uh, they had played at Belladrum, I think they played Belladrum pretty much every year, but that was the first time I had ever got to see them and it was it was so cool. Running. I'm I'm standing in this VIP area because I've got this artist wristband because I've just wrestled like 20 minutes ago. So it's, it's cool. It's a, a completely different vibe to everything else that I've done, I think, 
suppose it would be a little bit of a dip into, um, I mean, unfortunately, your SW run has mainly been to no crowd, but it gives you a bit of a, a taster of a bit of a more uh, liquored up, high high energy crowd for you. Um, but no, I love seeing the photos because it's like hay, everyone's sat on hay bales and the place just looks, just it looks, I, no offense, it looks stinking. But it looks oh, no, amazing. It's horrible. It's horrible because you, like, I, re I remember when you, I can't remember who it was, but they've put their gear on, they've, they've, they've went to put their boots on, but it's it's ridiculous, the mud just outside the, the tent most years, because there's like a wee shoe cleaning area, but it's just like small showers, so all that shower water just like sprays and it makes all the mud just damp. So we are walking about with our wrestling gear on, but a pair of welly boots as well, instead of wrestling boots. So we've got a wee welly boots on walking around this this campsite, and it just looks ridiculous seeing us walking about like that. But uh, it's it's different with the guys that are just there with their kids or their wives with a drink in them, loving it. Um, but I, it's it's crazy. Well, the weird thing is that you wouldn't even look out of place. I'm assuming because there, there's often <laughs> folk that are dressed up in a lot weirder ways than just a pair <laughs> a pair of tights and some wellies. <laughs> um, but no, I'm always fascinated. Hopefully, when when uh, if Belgium ever returns, just because you know the time it is, yeah. um, determined to get to one. I hate camping. That's the only thing. That's the only thing that puts me off. If I could get away, if there's a package, no. we can stay at a hotel or something, and then go the next day. I'll do that. <laughs> but no, I, I'm just... I, the camping throws me off. I I think one year I made an attempt to try and sleep in a car. Um, at this point, I didn't drive, so I tried to sleep in one of the other guys' cars. But he was sleeping in the car, so I was like, mm, it's not for me to share a car with you sleeping, so I will just go into my tent. <laughs> oh, just, yeah, that's the, the idea of, of health. Like I, said, I, I, did, I, did, I think I did one one festival, and I was in the. I moved to the family friendly bit the day after because I was in with <laughs> everyone else, and I've, no, I had my tent kicked in. I had. Oh, it's just an awful experience. Um, anyway, let's pick it up because <laughs> it seems to be I start a really fun conversation and then drag it down to something really weird. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was going through, again, going through my research, uh, pretty much just stalking your, your, your Facebook fan page uh, to, <laughs> to get information. And you did things like All-Star Wrestling to Craig Tara, uh, Mega Slam. Yeah. So what was, these are more intense more intense uh, shows because you do more one, more one show a day, but it's in front of like non wrestling fans. Uh, so, yeah. how, how was that as an experience for you? I, again, I'm like, like every other sort of different style of wrestling show, it's, it's different, it's a different atmosphere that you go in. Like, you're, you're waiting backstage for these shows in Craig Tara and you're, you're waiting on a ring announcement, but what you're getting is these fun stars, as they're called. Uh, doing the, the, their whole shtick, trying to get the kids laughing and entertained, which but while you're wrestling, you're used to just hearing the crowd, but then when you're wrestling at Craig Tara or something, you've got these fun stars on the mic behind you, with the all the, oh, the louder you scream, the stronger he gets and everything, you're like, you're like, well, what are they shouting? <laughs> yeah, so it's a completely different feeling that you go into. But there's a bit more pressure on it as well because you've got you've got your asserted time slot with places like Craig Tara and stuff. So you've got 
you've got like maybe three hours to get in, get the ring up, get the matches done, get the ring down and get out. So there's a lot, there's a lot more less time than a normal show. Because we're a normal show, we maybe get two hours to set up the ring. We've got an hour to mess about. We've got an hour to get food, and then we've got an hour before the show starts. So we've normally get quite a lot of time, and then we squeeze in the Craig Tara, and we've got like two hours to get everything done. So it does add that wee bit of pressure. But the crowds are always amazing at any of the holiday parks. They always just seem to be loving the wrestling, but despite them not being there for wrestling particularly. I suppose if, if you're, in one sense then, it's it's a bit more pressure because you do have to get in and out as quickly as possible. But at least then you're yeah. not expected to do uh, Canadian Destroyers and flips and all that right. kind of stuff. It's a bit of an easier shift in that respect. Yeah. Aye, uh, no, definitely. Um, so we'll get we'll get to just what you're doing now. Well, not right now. Uh, possibly, I don't know because t- time it is. It could be open for doing more tapings. But uh, you made your WWE Network debut last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On on Fight Club, uh, of course, in front of nobody, no, uh, no fans. <laughs> How did that come about? And again, did you have any reservations of wrestling in front of nobody, or was it just a case of the opportunity? At, at the point, like before I even knew that I was going to be on the tapings, I was I was at the point I was like, I just want wrestling back. Like I just want to wrestle. I don't care if it's in front of nobody. I didn't I didn't know that the tapings were going to go ahead. I didn't know they were a thing at this point. I hadn't been informed about them. But I was actually I was working on site, and I got a message through Twitter from Scott Reed, and he was like, Oh, we've we're going to do tapings in the asylum. Um, in front of nobody but the, for the WWE Network so can we can, can, are, are you free to do them and I was like oh yeah yeah sure cool aye sounds good to me uh, when you want me he's like eh, tomorrow and I'm like right hold on right <laughs> I've not wrestled in 8 months and you want me to wrestle tomorrow <laughs> so I was at start I was like oh I don't know if I'm ready to wrestle but again it was the same thing obviously going in and seeing this sort of setup that they had with the ring and the two entranceways, and but knowing that there was no crowd there, it was like, man, that that, that looks that looks different. It's that sort of weird feeling that you don't like, where it, you feel like something's going to go wrong straight away, but you hope it doesn't. But sort of standing backstage, and I was I was backstage. I don't know if you remember when uh, it first came back. Simon Casty done the announcement with the whole. Um, Willie you're watching as part of the ICW Mafia, the WWE Universe. So I'm standing backstage at that point and I had, I had let it slip from my mind at this point that this is going live on like WWE Network and everything. I'd let it slip my head because it wasn't my main focus. But as soon as you said that, I was like, oh no, oh no, I'm not ready. <laughs> but again, it was as soon as I went out there, I wrestled Theodorus in my first match and He's he's a cracking guy to wrestle. Honestly, it's, he's 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 talented man. He's he's cracking in that ring. Um, he's definitely something that I want to wrestle again anyway. But going in there with him, knowing that I'd given a good match with him, it was it was that sort of feeling of relief that I had. That's that's me done it. That's me done my first one. So the rest should come easy. Um, but again, it was that different vibe. Uh, you had to would have had to learn that you're not working in front of a, you're not working for a crowd you're working for a camera with a crowd yeah. of a potential couple million uh just to, to add that pressure on uh behind it 
uh, as well. Did you seek out any advice from anyone before you did the the show itself? Yeah. Or I'd, I'd spoke to guys that have obviously been on ICW, even with the crowds. Like I spoke to Angel, who's done ICW with the crowds and done the fight clubs before. I spoke to guys like Lou and Krieger. Um, they helped quite a bit with like what I could go through and do. Um, and then obviously when I get there, um, Mark Dallas and Scotty, Jack Jester, and that they offered up their advice as well to always knowing that this was the first this this was the very first time they had done the tapings, so they had offered up their advice of what they know that they were looking for. So overall, everybody was like sort of really helpful, and straight away you just knew that they wanted what was best for us, but what was best for the product as well. So. It was that sort of sense of relief that there were so many people there to actually sit there and help you rather than just send you on your way and hope for the best. And uh, when they actually the show came out, the first one that you're on, uh, where were you? Was it gather round or was it just a case of of studying it? But have you actually watched it back? <laughs> Should ask first. I no, I watched it back. But I, I I'm I'm still a teenager, so. I'm still like, well, I was still a teenager at that time, but I was like, hey, I'm on the WWE Network, this is cool, this is well cool, look at me. But it was it was that way where I'm like, right, hopefully this happens more often. And obviously, after I'd done that first taping, I was told, we'll bring you back, and um, we'll bring you back next week or the next so weeks. So at that point, I'm like, right, hold on, actually, I'm going to rewatch this and see what I can fix for next time. Did I work to the camera enough? Did I work to the right cameras? Because obviously before this, I was used to doing the family and friends shows or uh, the family friendly shows where it was just a crowd. There was no camera. I had never worked to a camera before that. Um, so I suppose it's sort of beneficial in a way because what I've done is just replaced the crowds with a camera. Obviously, I don't start clapping towards the cameras, hoping it claps back. But... Um, <laughs> um, is just replacing the crowds with the camera, trying to get a reaction through the camera rather than through somebody somebody watching me. Um, but I think it's sort of beneficial because now I've had experience of working them both individually. So I've worked crowds individually, I've worked cameras individually. So hopefully when crowds come back and hopefully I'm still on the fight club tapings and ICW when they're back in the garage or whatever, um, Hopefully it comes sort of second nature to work both to the camera and the crowd. So I'm looking forward to hopefully being back. That, that's when you're saying that about the you you may clap and expecting to clap back. It's still <laughs> I, I've I've watched the majority of them. I think I missed I've missed a couple just because time. Um, I know I, I I'm working from home. I should have all time in the world, but somehow because of these podcasts, I have none at the moment. But uh, I always makes me laugh, and I know that it's not a wrestler's fault. But they pause during promos for a, a reaction, <laughs> and I know it's just—I know it's just timing. I know it's just them going in their head, the pause and everything. Okay, <laughs> going. Nobody, nobody's cheering back. I don't. <laughs> Come on, there's two hours here. Come on. Like <laughs> when you look up and you're like that to the crowd and go, "Oh, right. Well, there's nobody there. Nobody cares that I've just done that." <laughs> uh, but it's it's, it's certainly. It's the experience to watch. I can only I can only imagine how it is um, actually doing it. Um, especially, is there a little less pressure because you can go back and tidy things up if needs be? 
I think th- there is that sort of wee bit of less pressure where you can you realise that you've got you've got that opportunity to do it. Although we we tend not to like to do it. So we'd rather we'd rather just do the match and be finished rather than go, right, we'll go back to the start, we'll film this again, we'll film that again. Whereas we'd we'd rather just do it as one shoot as though we're doing it in front of a crowd. We'd much rather just act as though we're doing it in front of a crowd and but as you say, it's 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 sort of uneasy to watch it. Um but I think it's a lot better watching it because you've got guys like Billy Kirkwood and GRK there still talking and still going through. It's a lot different when you're in there and you've not got GRK and Billy Kirkwood sitting there doing the run through commentary while you're wrestling. It's it's just dead silence and it's just you just do wrestling the ref. Like watching it back and actually hearing GRK and Billy, you're like, I wish they were just there while you're wrestling because it's just different. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it it will be a little, little bit different than the uh, the the camps when you've got someone going, "Oh, cheer, power you up!" They'll be just sitting there, just just shouting, going, <laughs> "I don't know, I, I don't think anything that Billy says I can actually say out loud on here." So uh, I'll move on. Uh, so let's go back through again through matches that you've had. Your return match from your broken leg was, uh, if I'm right in thinking, it was against Jack Jester. Uh, um, or was that your shoulder? It was one. No, that, I, I think I had one match before Jack Jester. I think I had a triple threat with TJ Rage and somebody else, and I can't quite remember. I'm going to be honest. But, oh, I uh, pro wrestling innovation. Uh, was it? Massive, big massive wrestling. It was big massive one. I've mixed up the that would have been, been my first one back, and then. The second one after that was Jack Jester and his open challenge at Larbert. So, yeah. That... How how do you feel to get back in the ring after that? Was there a bit of a, a like a bit of testing? You were you pulling back kicks just to make sure nothing would happen again? I I was I was I was still making sure that like everything I was doing I wasn't going to like pure strain my legs. So, like. During the time, I was like, I'll buy kick pads and everything. So I bought kick pads and I was like, I never wrestled with kick pads before I broke my leg. And then when I broke my leg, I was like, I'll, I'll get kick pads, I'll protect it a wee bit. Um, so coming back, I was still like, I can't do this. I can't do that move because I kicked with my left leg. Can't do that because I land on my left leg. So it, it sort of changed my style of wrestling slightly. But I was still making sure like I was still the same sort of wrestler. But during that time again, all I done was lie in the house and watch wrestling and like learn different moves that I could do that I could avoid uh, uh, injuring myself and my leg anywhere. But it was definitely a sort of different feeling going in and being like, right, I need to be careful this time because I get so used to being the fact where I was like, I don't care what I'm going out there to do. Like, as long as I'm wrestling and having fun, I'm happy to do whatever. Whereas this time I had to be like, right, I need to be careful what I do here. Uh, you, you went from, uh, I'm, I'm young, I'll bounce, to, no, I, I'm a winner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, where was I going with that? Uh, back with ICW, you're, you're regularly tagging with Alex Parker. Uh, a bit yeah. of a, a bit of a, uh, I suppose, tumultuous relationship. That's not even the word I'm going for, but it's, uh, 
you make sure of each other. That's, that's the kind of way I'm going with that. Um, again, it's someone that you probably were trained up with, uh, I'm guessing, yeah. Alex Parker. Yeah. So again, was right. that another just a easy match because you've you've uh, trained with each other? I like me and Alex were used to each other now. Like we've, I, honestly, I can't tell you how long you've been training right now. Um, but I, I've known him for however long he's been training. Um, and I, I get used to his style of wrestling. I tagged him before on shows before we were on ICW together. Um, but when we sort of got on ICW together, we realised, um, obviously when we started tagging, we had one tag match where we were against Theodorus and Charlie Vice. Um, and we were like, we, we were sort of not used to each other working as a tag team. We were used to each other wrestling each other. But working as a tag team, it was a different sort of... It was a different sort of feeling to it. Like, where you were like, you're not used to actually wrestling as a tag team. Uh, because, obviously, I had I had wrestled with Owen Jacks for a couple of years um, before that. But then, two years, I was wrestling myself. I, I don't think I'd done many tag matches in between. So, going back into doing like a sort of tag team wrestling style, it was different. But... A few weeks later, we're, we're starting to do things again. We're doing tag moves, and we've ended up doing like two on one stuff to Leighton Buzzard and a triple threat. And then it, it sort of builds up to us having a match with Luke and Sharp and Craigie and beating them. Um, so it was different, but I, I, I started to like the way we work as a tag team. I, I just feel like we're, we're connecting a lot better nowadays um, to actually experience being a tag team in this sort of different environment in front of no crowd and this new sort of promotion that we've never been used to. Um, and then go back to, say, you, you spent all your time either in lockdown or injured watching wrestling. Has there been any particular wrestlers that you watch to pick up a sort of style or is there a particular promotion? Um, what's been your kind of watch list? There was nothing in particular, to be honest. Like, I was constantly just watching any wrestling that I could find. I'd go on YouTube and type in like high flying wrestling moves or whatever, and there's like top 20 lists or top 50 lists. I'm watching them, and then I'm seeing a certain like I started seeing things through like Daniel Bryan from when he was like in New Japan or whatever he was, wherever he was in Japan and stuff. I'm going back and I'm I'm like, I'll go watch that match, I'll go watch this match. So going from watching like like the Motor City Machine Guns doing their tag team stuff and these top ten lists and then going and watching like full matches that they've done and going, right, yeah, that's cool, I could do that myself and do that move and do that move. So it was a lot of it was just picking up random sort of random clips off YouTube and being like, I'll go watch that full match and see that full match. So actually going back and watching the matches probably helped me in the long run to come up with this new sort of style of wrestling. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's, there, there's a bit of high flying in there, but it's quite a lot of just high intensity. A lot of running. Yeah. A lot of yeah. <laughs> running, yeah. really. Um, yeah, so it's, Go back to like your favorite wrestlers growing up. You did mention the Edge being one of them. Um, right. Was there any other others that that uh, be it one of the big names or maybe some of the more obscure names in history that you've that you kept an eye on and enjoyed watching? 
actually growing up, growing up, I didn't really know any other promotional in WWE. I didn't know any other thing. Like, I knew, I knew, like, I had been to a couple of all-star wrestling shows when I was younger, but I just thought that was Americans coming over and doing wrestling. I didn't know at the point. It was guys like, like, there was Drew Galloway kicking about at that time, an all-star. Um, guys like Chris Travis and all that, he was he was still wrestling on the camps um, and Butlins and stuff, so I had been them, but there was never really any obscure names that I sort of looked up to because it was all WWE for me, so it was guys like Edge, um, Jericho, Shawn Michaels, Taker, Randy Orton, guys like that. It was all the sort of like guys from 2000 onwards that I really watched that sort of had their runs in that era, so... It was it was guys like that that I was like like these guys are like superheroes to me, so you'd watch it and I it was all guys like Rey Mysterio and stuff, all the sort of weird guys because like I said I was like small at the time but it, it was it was always guys like that it was never random people. It must be a bit mind blowing now looking back at it thinking that you saw Drew uh, at an all star show on a camp and now he's like one of the biggest names uh, in the world. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's insane. It's uh, it's mental. I actually found a picture not long ago of me meeting Drew at the All-Star Wrestling Camp and just seeing the size difference between me and him was ridiculous. Like, it's, it's so funny just to look at the photo and then go, that's, that's crazy. He's a two-time WWE champion now. It is just unbelievable. Um, I mean... I, first, I mean, the first time I met him was after his, his first run, but still, it's like... How 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 are you from a how are you from Scotland? Uh, because Aye. no, I mean everyone runs on his accent. That's not what I'm going for. Look at just look at the size of him. That's, that's just that's right. You can see many guys what about Scotland with big long flowing hair and like built like a brick wall and six foot. <laughs> I know the 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 they're they're near all near about quite often, but yeah, it's just. Absolutely mind blowing. And seeing guys like like a Nicky Storm as that who possibly would have come, come through your way. Uh, Kaylee Ray, of course. Um, yeah. It's just Scotland's doing all right, I think, for, for wrestling. Aye. Um, Aye. Yeah, doing okay. So, as, as far as like traveling again, you, you did a bit of uh, work up f- further north than I am uh, for Combat League. Uh, yeah. Where you were, well, your team stag. I think technically you've won season one of their combat league. Oh, we, we were undefeated the whole season. The only ones to get points on the board, so I'm taking it as a huge victory. Uh, so it was like uh, traveling all the way up because that's, that's a fair journey to go all the way up to, to Keith Net or Wick, who would have been uh, for the shows Thursday Wick. So the game was just a uh, pile into the car, car games. <laughs> oh, I, it's, it's, it's. You dread it, you dread, you sort of, the night before, you're like, I've got six other cars on the tomorrow, I really don't want to do it, sitting in a car, but as soon as you're in a car, you're your pals and you just start talking, it honestly feels like you're in a car about an hour, and it's just sitting there playing daft games, like you say, that is stupid games you sit and play, he's, he's, honestly, you stick on the music, he's having a wee sing song between all these, he's are singing old WWE theme songs, five grown men singing the sexy boys on Michaels. Um but it is that sort of it does pass the time so much easier than just sitting there all quiet and 
not not actually communicating with each other because I, I think I've done a couple of rides like that where it's been three hour drives and it's felt like nine hours. Whereas going up to Thurzo, it was like a six hour drive and felt like an hour. So if you're with your pals and you know how we have fun with each other, then it is a great sort of drive, but you, you still enjoy the sort of the, the view you get as you're driving up because like, obviously you know yourself driving up there is beautiful, the view you get. Like the view is incredible driving up, um, but you, you still enjoy the time that you, you get to spend with your pals. But you enjoy the fact that you're wrestling that night and everything. And the and the crowd up there, from what I've heard and seen, they're just well, they don't get wrestling that often, so they're just no. buzzing for just wrestling, just oh, to see the, it. I I think the first time the first time I went up, I I, I had went up just to. There was a there was a space free in the car and I was like, I'd like to see one of these shows, I'd like to experience them. So I had no intention of actual wrestling on it. I took my gear and everything just in case. Of course. But um I show up to the show and the promoter's like if you've got your gear, we'll, we'll find a spot for you. And I'm like, Cool, nice one. Um so I'm I'm like I'm trying to get used to this crowd. I'm watching on the cameras backstage and I'm listening to them and I'm doing this sort of segment with um, Robbie Wishart, who's just had his match, and at the, at this time he's he's probably one of their their main heels, where well, he was supposed to be anyway. But uh, he was supposed to be one of their heels. He cut a promo, and I, I don't know what happened during his promo, but everybody just started loving him halfway through it. So halfway through the promo, everybody's cheering him. I'm supposed to come out and be the good guy, and. I'm I'm supposed to be coming out and be like I'm the hero. I'm I'm I'll challenge you the next time we're up here. Um, but I walk out as soon as I walk out. All I hear is about four boys go. He looks like a wee sunflower, and instantly I go, right, I'm a bad guy then. <laughs> okay, so it goes honestly. It was it was a completely different reaction. It was probably the best reaction I think I've ever had in wrestling. Even though it was such a negative one, but I walk out there and all I hear is. He looks like a sunflower. I've never been called a sunflower in my life. And honestly, it was one of the newest things. I, I, it was mad to hear somebody call you a sunflower. But instantly, I turned into this bad guy. And like, honestly, I was out there for about 30 seconds, maybe a minute. And the reaction that I got from it was like, Jesus, man, guys that have known me for five years wouldn't care this much. But I, 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 as you said, they don't get wrestling much, so any wrestling they get is like something amazing to them. So it is the, the crowd's always chatting up there. I just, just I'm just baffled by the the insult. It's just <laughs> sunflower. No, we called a sunflower. I didn't get it. I was like, I, I literally went back and I turned around and looked at the S and that, and I went, ah, that does look like sunflower. And well, I can tell you, mate. I'm like, so that, that's your name when you go back up then the sunflower logan smith uh, sunflower logan smith i like that <laughs> all right so we'll move on to the the fan questions before you are my, my my stupid dual questions here uh we've got jason hyde he just put uh to ask you what you and him would be called as a tag team oh i think we had a joke years ago i think we were calling ourselves like abs and kebabs but I think that, I think the whole joke in it was that he was abs and I was kebabs. That was the joke there. Um, 
Oh, I, I, honestly, like Jason was. I I met. I think I only met Jason like at a PWS show, like for the first time, and I sat down and spoke to him for about half an hour, and I don't know why, and I can't remember how it came about, but we ended up laughing for about twenty minutes about turkey drummers. I don't know if you remember. They, 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 I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you where that came from, but we were laughing about it for like twenty minutes or something. But I, Abs and Kebabs was was the name he is because I was cat Kebabs and he was Abs. But that was that was just a dark joke. Uh, from from experience, for speaking to Jason, I've I've never met him face to face. I've never seen him wrestle face to face, but I've spoken to him on podcasts. And I'm just like. I, I, it'll be an hour will pass and I'll go I have no idea what we spoke about for the last hour but time has <laughs> gone by and I don't know what's happened but oh well so abs and kebabs against uh, Pat and Batter and that's, that's, no that's the future uh, Ian, Ian Skinner asks uh, just he just asks how your throat is how my throat is right so <laughs> I, I done Ian Skinner's debut with him so Ian, Ian Skinner was having his debut match and like we had got we'd got through the start and everything perfectly fine, and then it gets to the point where he's breaking me down and he cuts me off. He cuts me off and I'm lying on my back and he goes to stomp me in the chest, but he misplaces his foot and just stomps me right in the throat. So he stomps me right in the throat and I roll out the ring and I can't breathe. I'm like, <laughs> Sean McLaughlin's like you're pulling this match off and he's like, right, he can't breathe. So I'm like, it's cool, it's cool, I get back in, I finish a match, and I'm like, that's after the match, I'm like, I have really good, thanks. Pure struggling to talk. <laughs> I'm like, that was good, I enjoyed it. It was still a good match at the end of the day, but it did hurt being stopped on the throat and feeling like there was like vomit coming up, it was stuck. It was a horrible feeling. Oh, man. Uh, at least, I mean, at least that one was in the ring. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was <laughs> Uh, and uh, George Laurie, who I'm assuming is a relative of some description, uh, yeah. he's he's just asked, uh, would you rather wrestle The Rock in a title match or star in a movie with him? Oh. oh. I think you'd need to wrestle him, wouldn't you? It would need to be a wrestling match, especially a title match, because if, if you're wrestling The Rock right now in a title match, it's going to be at WrestleMania. It has to be. So, I, I would... I, I, I'd wrestle him. Address over a match. Uh, I mean, I, as, as someone who is not athletically gifted at all, I, I would go for a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be quite happy with that. <laughs> although although uh, uh, he had a three-second match, I think his last match was like a three-second match against Rowan, so I could do that. I think I I could. That, that could be my match, or I could have like a three-second segment in the movie where I'd serve him a drink, do you know what I mean? Uh, I could give him his coffee. I could be a bit stand in the movie and give him a coffee, or I could have a three-second match with him at WrestleMania. Yeah, I think I think when you put that out like that, I would, I would probably go match as well because it's not that much of a, an effort really. Uh, as long as I'm, as long as I'm that'd be fine. Uh, right, uh, my stupid questions I've got is: What's your favourite dinosaur? My favourite dinosaur. Yeah, uh, it's Stegosaurus. Nice, nice choice. Uh, any particular um, reason? Or there is actually. I used to watch these like when I was young in school. I used to watch these videos on YouTube, they're called ASDF movies. I don't know if that's something you've ever heard of, it might just be a thing, right? Um, but it was it was just stupid me drawing cartoons that somebody had put up on my YouTube. And me and my pals found them hilarious for some reason. 
but there's there's this one sort of scene in it where this guy's invented a time machine and he's like, I did it, my time machine works and this foot just comes down and it's just this dinosaur going, I am a stegosaurus. <laughs> but you should crush this guy's time machine. And I, I don't know, every time I think of dinosaurs, that's the only thing I can think of is a stegosaurus. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> the other one we, we ask is... Uh, another one we ask is, uh, what would be in a fight, two sheep or one cow? I see, I get told about this. I get told about this question. Um, I would say two sheep. I'm on board with that. Um, I, I had a recent chat. My last chat interview I did was with Joe Hendry, and he gave me a tell off because I gave him insufficient information. Information Because he was saying, <laughs> and I said, well, some people go two rams. He went, oh, no, no, no. You didn't say that. You said two sheep. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. I, I would still go with the two sheep. I'm just going by numbers. I mean, a cow's solid and all, but but it's, it's two sheep. Sheep are faster than cows as well. Sheep are faster than cows. Imagine two sheep running around you. Exactly. You just, couldn't keep up with them both. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's one of those questions that I find that if you don't know the answer straight away, it's the answer you'll think of later and go, ah, could have been that. But yeah, it's... it's, it's I, I, will, I, will, I will be lying then later and go, oh no, hold on, the cow might win. Well, now I've asked... You. Now I've asked Rosie and Angel, you can all uh, discuss it at length, what, you, what your uh, answers were. I will come out of an argument, you say discussion, we'll end up arguing about who would win a fight to sheep or a cow, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and you can thank Luking Sharp for, no, no, it was actually, I think Craiger asked it, so you can thank Craiger for that, because uh, he, he asked it for Lou's podcast, and I thought, I'm, I'm keeping it, because Lou got so raised by it, because he's like, I don't know the answer, I just go with whatever the opposite Craiger says now. Um <laughs> So, plans to the future then, uh, other than, than wrestling in front of, I wish I'd actually look up the number, 30 million people uh, on, on Peacock. Uh, again, not to add any pressure when you do the tapings. Uh, what, you're signed for, or you're signed up to appear at Pro 2 Wrestling as well. Um, yeah. What, what's, your, what's your immediate plans with the show's return? Your goals? Honestly, it's just, and all I want to do is wrestle as much as possible. Like, if, if shows come back and I've only got six months to wrestle before everything gets shut down again, which wouldn't surprise me at all, I want to wrestle every single weekend in those six months. I just want to be wherever I can in those six months. Or hopefully it's not just six months, like touch wood and everything. Um, hopefully this is this is the end of it. And I, I, wrestling in front of crowds is just normalised again because... It's it's not the same feeling going in there and not having a crowd there. Or after the show where there's still guys kicking about, wanting to have a chat with you, wanting pictures, autographs, whatever. It's it's not the same feeling. You, honestly, it's fans fans make wrestling, I think. It, it's just a different... It's not a nice feeling knowing that they're not... They're still not in, or even when they're all back in, it's going to be limited, <coughs> limited numbers. So knowing that some people aren't going to get to actually see the wrestling, but um, as long as there's fans at some point, and then that's my main goal right now is just to be in front of fans constantly. That's that's the way I've always seen it from the start of these tapings. I just want to be in front of crowds. Like obviously, I, I want to experience an ICW crowd now. That I've experienced all these family friendly crowds and that, 
I've never got to experience an ICW crowd because I've been brought in during these tapings. So I'm excited to see what they bring. Okay, and I bet I mean for you couldn't do any of the clapping and that to get a crowd going. But now you're actually probably missing just just doing the whole come on clap. Aye, Aye definitely, <laughs> honestly. So let's say the shows are back, full crowds again. Um, choice of opponents. Who, who who's on your your short list? Whether it's dream opponents, fancy, or just just immediate people that you want to face uh, again. Always a fantasy opponent for me it has been Edge, but it's just because he's a guy that got me in wrestling. So that's a fantasy opponent for me. Guys that are more realistic to wrestle, guys like, like I, I'd love to wrestle Light and Buzzard again. Uh, I always enjoy wrestling Light and Buzzard. Uh, um, Lou and Deck again. Uh, there you go. Lou and Krieger again. Um, guys like that. Um, Guys like Stevie Xavier, I've never got to wrestle Stevie Xavier. Um, so I just honestly like whoever, whoever I can wrestle. I'd love to wrestle Jack Jester again. I'd like to wrestle him in ICW. I'll be honest, straight out there. Um, I wrestled him in, obviously in Lab, but uh, in front of the family shows, but I know he plays a sort of different character in front of ICW crowds. So I think I would enjoy that as well. But absolutely, just honestly, anybody. Anybody that sort of is there and I'm paired up there, so it's that's I'm going to enjoy it anyway. So, and uh, the same with promotions, uh, of course. As I said, uh, as I've said, uh, you're, you're already signed up to appear at a Pro Two Wrestling show. But is there anywhere any promotions that you haven't been to yet that you want to get to? Again, it's it's just anywhere really, anywhere at all. Like I've I've there's, there's some promotions that I was due to work for. Uh, before COVID hit, um, that hopefully that I still get the opportunity to work for, like um, PWI. I didn't get to work for them. I was due to work for them and everything. I broke my leg and then I was due to work for them and then COVID hit. So I'd like to work for PWI. Obviously, I've got Pro 2 coming up, which is exciting for me because I've never wrestled in um, Ayrshire where they're, they're basing. So I honestly just anywhere that's willing to have me wrestle on their shows I'm willing to be on their shows you know what I mean and I'll enjoy absolutely going anywhere uh, Great well I think that that's pretty much I've, I've taken up enough of your time today but I think from your story it really is kind of just and not to put like a big big uh, movie title on it but it's pretty much just not giving up because you, you've seemed to have, you've gone in set back gone in set back and then yeah. uh you went back in and then everything shut. So <laughs> I'm not saying that you're you're, uh, you're cursed, but, <laughs> but uh, hopefully uh, you get a good run once. once hey, I finally went a year without getting injured. So I marked that the other day. I marked that. This, this is quite possible the first year I went without being injured and wrestling. Touch with again, but I've probably just jinxed myself on that. And also, well, I was speaking. I might have been speaking to Rosie. She was like, "Oh, she, she broke her ankle, and then COVID hit." And I was like, "Oh, it was your fault then, because." <laughs> so, but, uh, but uh, yeah, th thanks for taking the time to speak to me. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, I, I always get these confused, right? I think on Twitter I'm YouTube Logan Smith, and on Instagram I'm Logan Smith underscore UK. Other way around. Ah. There you go. So, so Logan Smith oh, underscore I, 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 UK I, I, on Twitter. 
I need to start writing it again with the MC thing. I need to write it up in my hand. I need to write it up in my hand. I don't sweat it off during the interview. Perfect. But yeah, uh, thanks again for, for speaking to me today. And uh, like I said, fingers crossed next time I do get a chance to speak to you, it'll be at a show or yeah. it'll be uh, wrestling will be back and you'll have like a belt or something to show off. Aye. There you go. Hopefully. One can only hope.